Welcome to Food and Wine with Chef Jamie Gwen. Celebrate food and life by learning about the culinary scene around the world. Speaking with chefs, artists and food makers, farmers, authors and tastemakers who are passionate about everything delicious. A very good weekend to you food lovers. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. Are you ready to devour the next hour? Well, the delicious conversation starts right here and right now, and I welcome you to my kitchen. I hope that you are healthy and well and wearing a mask. And whether you love to cook or love to eat, you are bound to find something you will love on this show. I hope that you'll visit chefjamie.com for my features and forums, recipes, and cooking videos. And you can take your cooking skills to the next level, of course, just by staying tuned. On Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, you'll find my daily dish at Chef Jamie Gwen. And on this radio show, 17 years and running, we heat it up with grand guests and chef's tips to make your dishes come alive with flavor. And on this show, every food topic is on the table. So sit down, pour a glass of something and indulge. It's my goal to feed your soul and satiate your appetite. And coming up, there is a lovely, lively, heartfelt conversation about what it's like to feed a family full of love. I cannot wait to share with you the beauty of a new cookbook just released that's all about bringing your family to the table. The beloved blogger, Danielle Renoff, is here. And she's cooking live from Israel. There is so much entertaining conversation on the way. But first, I like to kick off the show with a tutorial of sorts to make you the best cook you know. And because we're a bit COVID crazy in my home, as I've mentioned to you, I have a beautiful new baby and I'm taking good care of my mom as she is of me. The one thing that I miss the most about going out, aside from uh, great restaurant experiences, travel, culture, theater, and so much more is I am dying to go to a sushi bar. And it'll be a little while before we venture there. But I decided that because poke and the trend itself continues is close enough to my raw fish craving, we should be making more poke at home. It's actually a culinary conundrum in the U.S. because no one can pronounce it. It's poke, by the way. And it has its roots in Hawaii, of course, the raw food specialty uh, that's taken the dining scene by storm. Uh, Pokerias, as they call them, popping up from coast to coast. Fantastically fresh raw cubes of seafood marinated in soy sauce and aromatic. So move over salad because poke is taking over. Now, this treasure has long been a staple in the Hawaiian islands for centuries. And not only now are they sweeping the nation, these pokerias, but it's like a must-have food trend. And I will tell you, I am completely responsible uh, for not embracing the method, the technique, and the mastery at home. Because as much as I love a poke bowl, it's not very often that I make one. So this past week, I took to practice. And I will say, I did some copious research because poke is sashimi Hawaiian style. The Hawaiian word for cut crosswise into pieces 
is also one of Hawaii's most beloved dishes. It was originally developed, by the way, as a way to preserve local seafood. The fish was cut and salted and seasoned, and it extended its shelf life. And in its most basic and traditional form, poke combines cubes of raw ahi tuna with seaweed and ground kukui nuts and sea salt. Now, fresh fish is the most important ingredient in a poke bowl. The fresher, the better, right? If you can catch it, fabulous. Ahi tuna or yellowfin, the most common choice in the islands. And when you choose a fish, um, you always want to look for the freshest. It shouldn't have any fishy smell. There should be bright color, especially bright crimson red if you're choosing tuna. And the texture should be firm to the touch. And that applies to any fish that you purchase, whether you plan to make poke or grill a feast. Now, the fattier the fish, the better it tastes. And so, I do believe that the farm-raised or the frozen texture of fish you might choose uh, will compromise your poke. Poke should be best done with fresh fish for sure. And as far as the cut, it's best to cut with the grain, not against it. So while you might cut a steak or you should cut a steak off the grill after it rests, of course, a great delicious charred ribeye against the grain for tenderness. When it comes to fish, you want to cut with the grain so that you avoid the perforated edges. And then after it's cut into cubes, you will season the fish, preferably with Hawaiian salt. Now, the size of the cube depends on your personal taste. I happen to like smaller bites that you can actually sink your teeth into, Um, but they do say that Hawaiians love the taste of fish, and so they tend to cube larger. Now, as far as sauce, uh, super fresh soy sauce is used in Hawaii and few other ingredients, really, Um, but I say, and if you know me, you know that you can do almost anything you wish with poke. You could walk down the aisle of the supermarket, and if you think it tastes good, you can throw it into your poke, because I believe, honestly, that you should cook with your palate. Now, the basics, um, sliced onion, very thinly sliced, in fact, and sweet yellow onion, preferably, or green onions, typically. Slices of avocado. I love that contrast of texture between the tuna and the avocado. And then um, I happen to like a sweet soy sauce, but my palate skews sweet. Uh, Cherry tomatoes add a burst of freshness for me. And sesame seeds I love. And then for a spicy poke... I add a drizzle of chili oil or better yet, spicy sesame oil. And then I like that textural dichotomy. So I like to set out fried wontons so that I can scoop up my poke. Uh, Tortilla chips will do as well. And for the final piece de resistance, I think that the best seasoning to finish the bowl with, like you would finish coarse salt over a a fabulous dish of lamb chops, let's say, is furikake seasoning. It's called furikake, F-U-R-I-K-A-K-E, the salt and pepper of Japan. It's a, a sweet and savory Japanese spice that is typically sprinkled over white rice. And there are many varieties, but the simplest is seaweed, sesame seeds, sugar, and salt. And it has everything you love, everything you desire. Sweet, salty, savory umami. It's especially good on popcorn, but it makes it super tasty when you add it on poke. Now, 
you are essentially a poke expert from this tutorial. And I hope that you'll email me and tell me how your poke turned out. You can search at chefjamie.com for poke inspiration. And you can always write to me direct, J-A-M-I-E at chefjamie.com. Okay, it is time for food news this week. And this is some really good stuff. Because it's hard to catch the coronavirus from a robot. It's true. A robot might cook your next White Castle burger. Oh, yeah. Robots and self-driving cars, uh, they've been the secret heroes of the coronavirus outbreak, but they could soon be cooking food. Yes, just a week ago, White Castle, the oldest hamburger restaurant in the U.S., announced that it is partnering with a robotics company in Pasadena, California, to create a robot that will serve up hamburgers. And it has a name, Flippy. The robot is going to prepare patties and dunk fries into hot vats of oil, hopefully this fall. Now, they do say that this is the wave of the future because it does protect workers and customers from the spread of foodborne illness and COVID, of course. And White Castle was quoted as saying that they're trying to create an avenue for reduced human contact so as to reduce potential risk. Uh, I certainly do think about those uh, that lose their job when Flippy the robot comes in. Um, and, and I, of course, will be sympathetic to that uh, forever. But I have to say, there's something super cool about a robot that flips your hamburger. The first Flippy robot hoping to come online from White Castle in September. Should I ever experience it, I'll let you know. Should you let me know how your White Castle burger was? Because those, I, I just can't get enough, really. All right, from White Castle burgers to peas, love, and carrots. She is Daniel Renoff, and food for her is so much more than sustenance. She lives in Jerusalem. She takes a daily excursion to the Shuk. That's the market that I'm so envious she visits every day. And it's all about her journey and about what she puts down on the table. And let me tell you, this is a glorious cook you are going to want to learn from. When we come back, the conversation continues and it's guaranteed to be scrumptious. I'm Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. Please don't touch your dial. Back after this. Welcome back, Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. The culinary landscape is ever evolving and it's artisans and chefs and bloggers from around the world that are motivating the movement. Stay tuned here because you will hear the best culinary thinkers and this delicious conversation is set to be fantastic. I am so elated that this goddess of a cook 
is here to join us. You know Daniel Renov. She's the blogger and influencer behind the popular brand and website Peas, Love, and Carrots, and her Instagram account uh, nearing millions. From her kitchen in Israel, she creates delicious and approachable recipes, and she shares motherhood and family, but it's all about food. It really is an extraordinary story of uh, a New York girl who moved to Israel, grew a beautiful family, and is so vested in the family table. Food is the medium she uses to express love. And let me tell you, it is heir apparent, and you can feel it in her new cookbook release. Peas, Love, and Carrots, the cookbook, A Labor of Love, has just released. It is a number one bestseller, by the way, having not even delivered yet. And it is also number one on Amazon in three categories. It is truly fabulous food that you are going to want to make and embrace and share. And it is with sheer delight that Daniel Renov joins this show. For me, I'm over the moon. I'm very glad to have you, Danielle. Welcome from Israel and congratulations and kudos. This would be your eighth baby, right? Seven children and one cookbook. And one cookbook. I am so excited to be here, Jamie. <laughs> Thank I'm you. really, truly honored. Thank you for yeah. having me. And I'm very flattered. Um, you are, um, I'd like to say somewhat, but it's an understatement. I mean, you are very much um, a, a celebrity in the food blogging world. And for those that tune in every day to learn a new recipe and to um, empathize and sympathize and celebrate and all the wonderful things that you share from your heart um, through food about your family and your life, um, you've really made a, a, a wonderful impact and impression on uh, the food world. And the cookbook is just the next step of sharing for you, I know. But kudos, it is really a glorious compilation. Thank you. It really is. It has just been an incredible journey every step of the way. And I'm just really proud of the community that we've mm -hmm. all worked to build at Peace Loving Carrots. And it's such a happy space in this world. And I'm really proud to be a part of it. Wow. And, and every person, I'm honored that every person a part of it is a part of it. You've created that family. You have Sephardic and Ashkenazi roots, but you have welcomed, yes, but you've welcomed uh, such a diverse uh, culmination of people. And I think especially uh, during trying times like now, it is evidence of how food binds us together. I should say. You know what? I'm very fortunate. My mother is, was actually an, immig is an immigrant to the United States. She was born in Morocco and raised. And my father was born in, you know, New York, born and raised in New York. And his father was a survivor from Poland. And um, I grew up in this really multicultural home where, you know, it wasn't so common for Moroccans to marry Eastern European Jews and vice versa. And my parents in our home really instilled in us uh, the idea of loving a human because they're a human. And I was really fortunate to grow up to learn to see past where somebody comes from or what they're born into or what they look like on the outside and really taught to take people for who they are on the inside and love everybody. Yes. And from that, you have developed, I believe, a cuisine that is very much signature to you. 
Um, there, there's tremendous pride in it. I will tell you the, the book is prideful without any arrogance. And there's something so absolutely wonderful and enriching about the fact that you teach and share insights and leave us laughing. And there are more than 250 recipes and 180 photos. So it's a a coffee table book that I can't wait to take into the kitchen. I've gone page by page, by the way, and this is a labor of love. And for everyone who has waited for the peas, love and carrots cookbook, you over delivered, but as many it's recipes, the only way. I, I agree, right? Under promise over deliver yep. of all the recipes, which I can't wait to dish with you about. There is one feature at the start of the cookbook, after your beautiful um, introduction and uh, the acknowledgments, which were so heartfelt, uh, and that is 86 things you write that you want us to know about the book and cooking in general. This is a book in I and love, of itself. I love you. I it, love you. <laughs> I love that you picked up on this. It's my favorite page in the book. It's my, it's the, I think it's, you, if you don't buy the book, Get somebody else's book and photocopy those pages. It's, it's fabulous. <laughs> so we have to cover Thank some of them you. because this is a whole interview in and of itself. Like, um, okay, number 31, I'm totally with you. So we need to talk acid <laughs> because you yes. say, and I quote, most soups benefit from the addition of wine, unquote. Now, to great <laughs> cooks, um, I think that novices and connoisseurs, some understand that and some of us need to learn it. So, yes, most soup does benefit from wine. It's all about the acid. I happen to be a huge, huge, like, acid. Like, I, I need it. I need very lemony, very tart, very vinegary. Um, I really, mm. really crave that. Also, there's a lot of acidity in Moroccan cuisine, so yes. I really grew up with that. And when I discovered that you could put wine in, you know, more than just a really good tomato sauce, but in soup to build flavor, it changed my life. Mm. And you know, people eat these soups and they're like, why is this so good? I'm like, it's, it's actually basic. It's like leftover red wine from the night before. <laughs> like, it's so simple. Yeah, no, there is a simplicity to it. But I, and I tell this story often and I have for many years on the radio, but I um, trained with a chef who put a drop of lemon juice into every plate that went out of the kitchen. And wow. I understood the balance and the dynamic of acid from that very small, teeny, minimal action that you didn't, you would never know was there if you hadn't witnessed it. You know, I went to Thailand um, a few years ago hmm. and really traveled all over Thailand and took a lot of cooking courses. And we were very fortunate that Chef Bo Lin, um, Chef Bo, somehow she had a day off. There was a miscommunication. I ended up in the dining room with this with Chef Bo and walking for hours and she was explaining to me how you know it's so basic in you know in so much so many different types of southeast asian cuisines to balance out the flavors and it's not complete without that sour aspect without mm. the acidity yeah. and it's so true because that's that's the part that leaves you wanting more that's what makes you want the next bite Otherwise, it just lies flat in your mouth and you're like, oh, I need a drink of water. Yes. Danielle, I could talk to you for hours. Please stay with us. We have to take a quick break. When we come back, more. You won't go, will you? No, I won't go anywhere. I love you. Thank you. Good. We're not going anywhere. Danielle Renov is here. Peas, love, and carrots. When we come back, we're going to talk about the shook. God, I can't wait to go. More with Danielle Renov, you and me, Chef Jamie Gwen, right after this. Don't go away.
back and we're dishing Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio every weekend because a meal is a terrible thing to waste. And Danielle Renoff wouldn't miss but one ever. Her book, Peas, Love, and Carrots, the cookbook from the very famous blogger that Danielle is, has just released. Number one on Amazon. You don't want to miss it. Uh, What a beautiful work of art. Can you talk about the Shook, please? Uh, By the way, Danielle, live from Israel. Could you take us there virtually? Yes. Okay. So every day I leave my house in the morning and I take an eight-minute walk up a big hill. Jerusalem, where I live, is pretty hilly, up and down, up and down. Yes. And I arrive eight minutes later in an open-air market Mm. where with stone floors, stone walls, Mm. um, vendors, you know, lined up on both sides of the alleyway. And it's just an ancient market that has existed for a few hundred years. And most stalls have been passed down father to son, father to son. It's actually quite difficult for a new person to come and get a spot in the stall, in the shuck because, um, because of the nature of how these spots are inherited. And every vendor sells one item, right? So there's a few different fish guys, but each fish guy only sells fish. Each produce guy only sells produce, and even that is compartmentalized. So one guy sells watermelon, one guy sells stone fruit, one guy sells, you know, basic produce, you know, food Mm. shopping produce, like carrot, celery, onion, stuff like that. And one guy sells all the green herbs. But because everybody specializes in what they're selling, they sort of are able to get the best quality of it. And they, they, they are experts. They're experts in what they're selling, and they're not spreading themselves too thin. So when you go to the Shook and you wander around and the first year you live here, the first two years, you get to know these people and you get to find your fish guy and your meat guy and your chicken guy and your spice lady and your produce guy, you know, you really found the best of the best and what works for you. And it's incredible. It's unbelievable, especially coming from a place like New York where, you know, I grew up with like big box grocery stores. Right. You know, I knew that strawberries tasted better in the summer. No. But I didn't know that they weren't available at other times of the year. But that reminds me, no, like my experience in Italy, when you taste a fig off of a tree... In Italy, you know what a fig tastes like. Like, there is nothing better. And that's your inspiration for meals and cooking every day? That's my inspiration for everything. That's why, Hmm. you know, there's nothing, there's no strawberry, yeah, there's no strawberry and blueberries mixed into my book because in Israel, they don't grow on the same season. Right. So I can't develop a recipe that's strawberry, blueberry, because that wouldn't exist. It wouldn't wouldn't make sense. Can we go back to the list very quickly? Because there's so much to talk about. Number 86 of 86 things says there is a (laughs) banana raisin. This is a banana raisin and marinara free book, just so you know. Do you have something against bananas, raisins, and marinara sauce? Oh, my gosh. I feel bad. Because I don't know how you feel about them. So I don't want to make you feel bad if you like them. But... Bananas are, I mean, bananas are gross. They have a very strong smell and they're very mushy. Okay, so you're seven children because you're a goddess, Mama. You, <laughs> you, you they don't ha- eat bananas. bananas. No, no, they all, of course, of oh. course, the world doesn't work like that. If you hate bananas, your children love bananas. Okay, of course, <laughs> right? And you're, you have a child in a high chair somewhere in your home eating raisins. Yes. Oh no. Okay, I do not. No. No. Okay. One second. I'm anti the raisin. You're First anti all, the raisin. I'm anti the raisin. I will not buy the raisin. I will not spend money. I will not give money to the raisin people. And I'll tell you why. First of all, grapes 
are delicious. It, they're like literally one of the best fruits out there. Why aren't we eating enough grapes? Because you can't like, keep them in your purse for days on end. <laughs> okay, one second. <laughs> Another thing is the grapes that we don't end could become wine, which is significantly Oh, wait. Raisin. So then why, why would you make a raisin anyway? Exactly. Okay. And three, I'll tell you the main reason. If you are a Jewish kid going to temple and you bite into a traditional noodle kugel, right, which is yellow, made with egg noodles, has tons of sugar in it. It's really sweet and delicious. And creamy and, and yummy. And you expect this delicious bite of, you know. Oh, you got a raisin. Yeah. And then. I'm so like, oh, sorry. Oh, my gosh. There is a plump, mushy, yellow oh. raisin in my mouth. How did that happen? This is this is terrible life. trauma. I'm I'm sorry. Literally. Now mar- I, I, marinara sauce. Did an Italian do something to you? No, but I don't. I don't even think that most Italians would buy bottled marinara. Oh, when you say bottled marinara, of course not. But why? Why would any fine uh, Israeli chef? And I'm calling you a chef because your food is glorious. Why would any Thank fine you. Israeli chef? Have marinara on the table when you can have salatim. I know. Yeah. Okay. I'm with you. I I I get get it. it. So let's talk salatim. So I have the uh, absolute privilege and luxury of traveling. Well, I used to, and we'll all get back to that for business. And I go to Miami often. And um, I work with an Israeli family who owns an appliance company for which I write recipes and develop. And they always take me to the favorite Israeli restaurant because I beg. And, and it's shameless begging, by the way. And this beautiful, it is, it's shameless begging. Please, can we just go to the same Israeli restaurant we went to last time? That's all I want to go to. No, 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 there's a new French. No, 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 Israeli restaurant, please. And they put out this smorgasbord of tastes yep. at the start of the meal, before you've even ordered. And it's the most delicious cucumber salad. And um, there's hummus and baba ganoush. It has a Lebanese influence here. And, and there's a carrot salad that's spicy. And there's garbanzos. And there's beets. And I could eat and graze all day. And I am full by the time that they refill it three times. And then they order lunch. Who needs lunch? <laughs> It's the most wonderful grazing you've ever had. And in Israel, you call that salatim. Right. And it's amazing. Yes. And, we, and it's delicious. And there's nothing better. And you make Moroccan carrots. And uh, is it Davi's pickle salad? And Dovi. Is, that's Dovi. my second son, yeah. Ah. And his favorite, I assume. And zucchini carpaccio and fire roasted eggplant. And this will be the first three pages of your book that I will cook from and credit you. <laughs> Well, I'm very excited to see. I'm ve- and I'm excited for you to play around and come up with your own thing because really salatim are endless. And the truth is the best salatim come from what you have in your salatim. So, you know, maybe you have peppers instead of cucumbers and you, you know, marinate those. Maybe you have um, capers and you mix that into your olive mixture for the zucchini carpaccio, you know. Hmm. So there's really, um, there's no right or wrong way to do salatim, but I couldn't leave it out of my book. So I did have to narrow it down to these. Yes. But they should serve as an inspiration, as a jumping off point, and then just go wild. Hmm. Oh, it is, I go wild for it. Can you talk about <laughs> bacon, please? The grilled chicken salad with the vinaigrette oh. looks so delicious and bright and fresh and perfect for summer because I've you. marked every recipe that I can't wait to make, which... Uh, it's page after page. But I didn't realize that fakin was as popular as it is in Israel. Right. So, listen, if you 
eat bacon, then you should eat bacon. Yeah, then you should <laughs> eat bacon for the, those right. that don't. Right. Right. But for those that don't, um, I keep a kosher home, so we don't eat any pork or shellfish. Um, so bacon is a beef alternative to bacon. You know, it comes from, like, a really fatty cut, usually, like, a second or even third, like a deckle or a mm. second cup brisket. Yes. Um, where it's smoked and then thinly sliced. And it sort of serves the same um, purpose that bacon would. Um, I imagine that, you know, bacon is a much better substitute. <laughs> yeah, but this is just a um, lovely salad. Red wine, vinegar, and Dijon, and a little bit of honey, and avocado oil makes the dressing. And you have these uh, beautiful leaves of, um, is that spinach? Yeah, it's yes. spinach and kale, and oh. like more hearty um, greens to really, you know, soak up that vinaigrette. Mm. The vinaigrette is really heavenly. Like yeah. You could drink it. That just looks absolutely yummy. Um, your red lentil soup is um, a beautiful example of uh, hearty vegetarian goodness, comfort, really. I love lentils. Like, mm, love so do I. There's actually another lentil soup in this book. That's how much I love lentils. <laughs> That's a dedicate. <laughs> That's a lentil dedication, really. I know. Yes. <laughs> There's not one lentil soup, but two lentil soups because I really couldn't decide between them because I love them so much. Um, the thing about this lentil soup is that it is so delicious because it has, like like we, we said, like it has an underlying acid component mm, because yes. I use these preserved limes mm. that we give you a recipe for in the beginning of the book that should live in your fridge all the time, preserved limes and preserved lemons. And they really help build the flavor of the soup. And you eat the soup and you're like, why is this so good? And you don't know that it's the flavor of lime, but it is. And it's insane. It's just bright and beautiful. We're dishing with Danielle Renoff of Peace, Love, and Carrots. The new cookbook release, Amazon, number one rated. There is more fantastically delectable conversation coming up right after this. Welcome back, Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio with one of the food world's great blogger influencers. The community that she's created, extraordinary. The food that she sets down on the table for her family, seven children, beautiful. And the cookbook, A Labor of Love, Peas, Love, and Carrots, just released. Daniel Renoff is here. The tahini and tamarind glazed salmon with kaidaif. Um, that is that is a showstopper. That is a dinner party dish. Um, super simple. I like to say on this show and everywhere, this will make you a culinary hero. This dish will make you a culinary hero. It's a good one, and it's very easy. It, it feels like it could be something that's overwhelming because it's a lot of words that feel unfamiliar, tahini and tamarind and kaza'is, but really it's like pour some stuff in a jar, mix it, pour it on the fish, top it, and bake it. Right. It, and the, it's that simple. The kadaif comes frozen, 
and it might be called something yeah. different here in the States. It should be called Kadaif in the States also. It just okay. might be spelled differently. Where, like I've seen it with a T sometimes um, because it's not a traditional um, English word. So, you know, when it's, tr- when it's translated to English, there could be a few different um, all, all accurate spellings. But it's basically just shredded phyllo dough. I was going to say so yes, delicious. and and you can you could probably uh, if you couldn't find kadaif, you could uh, substitute. You could make thinly, it yeah. thinly cut the phyllo yourself, and when it crisps yeah. up, you get this sort of like almost like a bird's nest, right? Yeah, yeah. a crunchy nest, just of so like, beautiful. That's like so good with that like soft flaky texture of the oh, salmon. Gorgeous. Can we make yeah, onion it, maple it, balsamic chicken for dinner tonight? <laughs> oh. it's, it's, a, it's a good one. That's like, that's like, I really tried to balance the book with mostly recipes that you can bring to a table that would be crowd-pleasing. You know, mm. I didn't want to have very many polarizing recipes um, where, you know, you bring something to the, you, you have a dinner party and you're like, okay, I'll make this dish, but I also have to make another dish because I know that half the people won't eat this. So I really tried to work hard to make the book where that 80% of the recipes would be recipes that, you know, most people will really enjoy. Yes. And I think the balsamic people ticket is like, it, it like really exemplifies that. Ultimate like, crowd pleaser. Like yeah, ultimate. And we could serve barbecue cumin carrots alongside because I, I oh. love smoky, earthy cumin and sweet carrots and the char. And there you are with the lime again. I love lime. Mm, I really do. Beautiful. It's actually lime season in Israel right now, which is very, very exciting because it only lasts about three weeks to a month here. So what will and, you make? Well, what did I make so far? We've, we've already begun. So first of all, we start always with giant pitchers of just limeade with tons of mint. And you just leave it in the fridge and you drink that all day long because mm. it's just lime in its purest form. We've made lime popsicle sticks. We made a let. I told you I love lentils. <laughs> I love so that you made, do. We made like a two-colored lentil salad with lime and cumin and roasted sweet potato and radishes. Ah, oh, so good. So good. Oh my god, so yeah. good. Um, can we talk shakshuka, please? So I love shakshuka. Oh. I love shakshuka for dinner because it's like breakfast for dinner. This is a super easy go-to. I really, I have a bunch of different shakshuka recipes on my blog, on my feed, um, for stovetop shakshuka, which is definitely the more traditional shakshuka because, you know, it takes so quick to make and it's such like instant gratification. If you're a mom or you're, you know, full-time working and you have 10 minutes to make lunch, you can actually make a delicious shakshuka in 10 minutes. Mm. But what I really wanted was to bring people around the table with this book. And, you know, you can only fit so many eggs in a pan. And I wanted to go beyond that. I wanted to, you know, make a shakshuka that I can, you know, make for brunch in the morning and serve to all my guests at the same time. I think that you absolutely exude teamwork. You have created a community of warmth and love and joy and food lovers that have bonded around you. And I don't think you realize the impact that you have had. And I think it extends from the seven children you are uh, beautifully raising that huge full heart into uh, what you feed them every day and what you share with all of us every day. 
and the book is, is a masterpiece of that. So kudos to you. Uh, it is called Thank Peas, you. Love, and Carrots, and it is written by the much-loved blogger, uh, of course, social media sensation, and more, Danielle Renov. It's R-E-N-O-V. Peas, Love, and Carrots, the cookbook, is available now. It is inspirational ideas for kitchen, home, and family, both kosher and non-kosher alike. It is her debut cookbook, and it is a glorious collection. I am so grateful that you called in live uh, from Jerusalem. I can't wait to come and visit you, Danielle. And I am so... We can't wait to have you. Thank you. I'm so grateful you graced the show. So thank you. And again, congratulations. Thank you, thank you so much for having me. Yes. And being so welcoming. And well, warm of course. And so kind. Of course. I really thank you so much. It's been so fun. <laughs> and I, I had a wonderful time too. I cannot wait to cook from the book. These will become new family favorites in my home and, and we will talk about you, no doubt. Thank you so much. Yes. Thank you for having me. And so that brings us to the end of another hour of fascinating, informative, and delicious conversation. Well, at least I hope you thought so. I was delighted to have Danielle here. She really is, um, I think, what uh, the food world today embraces as uh, an influencer that has brought a community of food lovers together to unite. And I love her warmth. I love her style. And I can't wait to cook from her new book. And I hope that you found the conversation stimulating. There is, of course, lots more fabulous food coming up in your radio in the weeks to come, but I'll leave you with my last bite for the hour, my last ounce or tidbit of gastronomic inspiration. It's a three-ingredient recipe perfect for warm days. You whip it together in the blender, and then you freeze it, and it's the most refreshing treat. It's pure. It's delicious. It's a creamy pineapple popsicle, and all it takes is a can of Dole pineapple chunks with whole milk and water. I will post a gorgeous photo, if I may say myself, that will inspire you to make popsicles, like run to the kitchen right now, along with the ingredients and the method on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, where I hope you'll become a fan and a friend at Chef Jamie Gwen. If you're looking for recipes, heard throughout this hour, please go to chefjamie.com and uh, peruse my thousands of free recipes for you to steal and add to your collection. And then, of course, meet me here next weekend uh, when I guarantee that there'll be more to devour. Please stay healthy and well and stay safe. I'm Chef Jamie Gwen signing off. I thank you for listening and I hope you continue to eat well. <laughs>